Hey chaps, it's great to be with you again today as we continue our series looking at the whole subject of mental health. In the last few weeks, somebody said to me, why are we doing this series at church? And does the Bible really have anything specific to say about mental health? And I said, absolutely. And so maybe the best place for me to go is to a book written by a doctor, Dr. Luke. And in his book, uh, that he wrote for a high-ranking Roman official who was investigating the whole claims of Christ. He'd heard about all the rumors, but he wanted to find out a little bit more. So he sent Luke to investigate and find things out from the apostles and all the different people. So his, Luke's uh, account is very, very detailed as you go through uh, his book and the Gospels. And in his narrative, um, Luke records about a time uh, when Jesus... Uh, went off by himself alone into the desert on a 40-day fast. And in the middle of that fast, Satan comes to him and tempts him. He's tired, he's hungry, he's probably not clear in his thinking, or we would think he's not, and, uh, and, and the devil comes and tempts him. And, and Jesus uses three words which I think are incredible. He dispatches the devil by using, it is written. It is written. Every time he was tempted, he said, it is written. Jesus went back to scripture. And you know, sometimes that may be all we've got, but God's word is enough. It doesn't matter if it's all, all we've got. In fact, it's the best thing we can have. So we can always rely, not on some sort of cookie cutter verse that we've snatched off Facebook or Instagram, but that we have got into his word and we've come to know the promises of God for ourselves that we can rely on, not through somebody else's experience. And in that discussion, Luke says that he left the desert. Like Jesus was, Jesus was a bit like us. He was on lockdown and, and now he's leaving lockdown to come back. And it's interesting to me what uh, Luke says when he returned from a 40-day fast and being tempted by the the devil in the desert. It says he returned energized by the power of the Holy Spirit. I wonder if you're going to come out of lockdown too energized by the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, I don't know, but what I can tell you, if you watch the news all the time, you're not going to be energized by the Holy Spirit. You're going to be afraid about what's going to happen next because nobody seems to know what they're doing. Um, You're not going to be energized by the Holy Spirit if you watch the latest, um, binge binge watch the latest Netflix series. We are going to be energized by the Holy Spirit when we get time with God and we dig into his word so it becomes part of us. And so Jesus leaves the desert, energized by the Holy Spirit, and goes home to Nazareth and uh, to his local church. And he stands up on Sunday, and he's given the opportunity uh, to, to read the Word. And uh, this is what he says when he's reading the Word of God. It says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me. This is a, a passage that Isaiah prophesied many, many years ago. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news. That's the word we've got for gospel. You you can preach the gospel to the poor. You can preach the good news. It's the first uh, appearance of this word that Jesus came with. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim the freedom for the captives and release from darkness 
for those for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He says, I'm coming and I'm going to release people from the situations and the circumstances that they find themselves in. And very often those words that we've just read there about being binding up the brokenhearted, about being captive and being in darkness, it, it seems to me resigned about some of the feelings that we have when we're going through a mental health episode in our lives. And he says, to those people, he's going to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That was something that God introduced into the whole Israeli calendar, that every 49 years, that the year of the Lord's favor would be announced. And what happened in the year of the Lord's favor was that if you had a debt, it was wiped out. Wouldn't that be great getting rid of your mortgage? Like it's just gone and all the debts have gone. Your credit card debt's gone. Everything's gone. If you were a slave, then you would be set free. Everything, everybody would be set free. And that's what he's saying is, I'm proclaiming the real of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed upon him. I don't know about you, but I used to envisage uh, Jesus doing this in front of about two or 3,000 people. And I, I realized actually I got it all wrong, Billy, because that's not what happened because Nazareth, his hometown at that time, wasn't a big place. It probably had between four and 500 people in it. So he was speaking to a small group of people. Uh, it wasn't speaking to Jerusalem. Isn't it interesting that when he announces the gospel and he announces the good news, he does it in some backwater place. It wouldn't be what we would do now, would it? We would get him on primetime TV, but he announces it. And who does he announce it to? The people who has got their eyes fixed on him. They're the people he grew up with. They're, they're, they're the parents of, of his friends and some of his friends as well. And they're looking at him, at, at him and he says, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. I, Isaiah said the Messiah is going to come and he's going to do this. Jesus came and he says, I'm the Messiah and I'm going to stand with those who suffer. I'm going to bind up the brokenhearted. I'm going to free the captives. I'm going to release the prisoners. I'm going to stand with those who have suffered, including those who suffer with mental health. You know, mental health is complicated. There is no lateral flow test like we've got for COVID coming along the line that will tell you what type of mental illness or if you've got one. It's time consuming. There, there, there's no quick fix to it. There is no vaccine coming around the corner that we can take that is going to deal with some of these things. Our health sector is swamped. It's time for the church of Jesus Christ to stand up, add our voice, because we feel like we've got something to say because we can give hope, and outstretch our arms of care around the people who are struggling. And I, I want to take you on a, a little bit of a journey and see how the church, and use the acronym church, to describe how the church can be involved and be an answer to those who are in need. So first of all, see in church. First of all, we need to care and support people who are ill and are suffering. Luke 6, again, he records this. He says, you must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. You must be compassionate. You know, during this time, I've been spending lots and lots of time looking at government updates. They update them 
almost like by the hour and I'm trying to find out what we're supposed to do in church, what we're supposed to do in the nursery, what we're supposed to do in the workplace, what we're supposed to do in all these different places, how should we be? And in the guidelines, they've got two words that they use. One is should and one is must. And when they say should, they are suggesting to you that you might want to do this, but it's not a legal requirement. Then there's other things that you have to do. So you must wear a face mask. You must have two meters between you. You must sanitize your hands and uh, when you come to church. There's, there's the must. And, and Jesus has not given us any wiggle room. He goes, he's not saying you should be compassionate. He's saying you must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. In the way that Jesus is compassionate, we must be compassionate. It's a decision that says, I'm going to be compassionate to others as God has been to me. You know, I've talked to you in the last few weeks about my own journey with mental health and how Growing up uh, with the disability I've got, I'm, I, I was painfully weak and um, struggled to play sports games, which I love to do, uh, and came, grew up with never feeling I was good enough for anything, not even feeling I was good enough for God. And, and, uh, and when, when you live that life, life it, can, it can get very suffocating. And uh, the great thing that I know is that in my time there have been many times when people have been brought into my life to breathe life into me and to give me the belief that I, that I don't even have in myself. And uh, when I was 13 um, and coming into all this and starting to try and process all the different things uh, and feeling totally inadequate and scared and hiding in the back of a room wherever I could, um, my friend Roger, Pastor Roger Blackmore came to be our pastor. And he spent time with me. I, 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 was, I went to his house. Very, we, we, just, we just did loads of things together. I was 13. He was probably 26 or something like that. I'm not sure. But he spent an incredible amount of time with me. He gave me my first opportunity to lead a service. He gave me my first opportunity to preach. He gave me my first opportunity to take a, a, a children's service. He, almost anything I've ever done in church. Roger Blackmore gave me that, ability. but more than giving me the opportunity, he actually helped me to believe that I could do it. And I wasn't going to be stuttery and stammery when I stood up. And then a few years later, I went off to Bible school and uh, I, I was scared stiff. I can remember vividly the day that I went and my mom, I waved goodbye to my mom and dad. They dropped me off and they went back to Scotland and I took all my case in and I sat on the edge of this bed in a, in a dorm room. And uh, I, I, I think I was probably almost in tears because I'm thinking, I don't know anybody here. Um, I, I, everybody's going to know more than me. They all know their Bibles more than me. I'm just going to look like an idiot. I'm not going to be good enough. And then as I'm in the middle of rehearsing all this through my head, uh, there's a guy came along and sat down beside me and went, hey up, mucker. And uh, this was a guy called William, Billy, William, William. And uh, he was from... Northern Ireland, and the good thing was I could understand him. Scottish, Irish, we understand each other. And uh, he became my best friend and was with me in some incredible situations. And also, and in, in a few years later, I was able to be the same for him when he was going through some difficulties. So we have these people that come in and help us. So we need to be care and support for those who are ill. I love it the way that Paul puts it in the second book of Corinthians. 
he puts it this way, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, or you could translate that word compassion, it's the same word, the Father of compassions, and a God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions, not just some afflictions, not just these afflictions, but he comforts us in all our afflictions. So that, this is, why does he do that? So that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So he comforts us in all our afflictions so that we can comfort people in any affliction in the same way, with the same comfort that God has given us. So how does that work? When we come to our God and we are in a difficult situation and we need help, he brings comfort or compassion into our lives. And what he's saying is, what I want you to do with that compassion, with that mercy, with that comfort, he says, I now want you to take that and give that to somebody else that's in need. We have no option as Christians to be compassionate. And we have to do it because that's what God tells us to do. There's a phrase that's sometimes used about pay it forward. And that's what I, I think this is describing, that we get comfort from God and then we pay it forward to somebody else who's in need. Isn't that incredible? And we keep that moving along. The second letter in our acronym church is H. Help with practical needs. There was, uh, Luke tells us this story that he found out about Jesus, that uh, there was a young Jewish guy. He was uh, moving from one place to the other on the way to Jericho. And on the way, he gets attacked by robbers and uh, they steal everything off him. They beat him up and basically leave him for dead. And uh, along that road came a priest and then became a Levite, both, both of his own uh, Jewish religion and, and people, his own people, and they took one look and walked straight past. And then another guy comes along, and he's called a Samaritan. We don't know his name, but you've got to understand the Jews and the Samaritans didn't get on. It's a bit like Scottish and English. No, worse than that. They, they just didn't get on. And uh, in fact, the Jewish people looked down on the Samaritans. They thought they were a better class of people than the Samaritans. So this guy, who was be looked down by the person that's on the ground normally, he comes along and he gives him practical help. He cleans the, his wound, he bandages his wounds, he takes him to a motel, pays for his care, looks after him. And Jesus, at the end of the story, says back to this religious leader in Luke 10, he says, which of these three do you think was the neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robber? The expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. And God wants us to give practical help to people in need, whether it's with mental health difficulties or any other difficulty. And, and actually, he's shown in this story that we have got to step out of our own comfort zones, our own social economic group of people, our own friends, and we step out of that and we step into somebody else's world that wouldn't expect us to be there. That's the extent that God, Jesus wants us to go. So H is help with practical needs. Needs. U is unleash volunteers. You know, the church is filled with ministers. The ministers aren't just the people who stand on the platform and speak to you, but every single 
member, every single person who is a Christian is a minister. And you have been given a calling by God by virtue of your relationship with Jesus. And you know, every church, there are so many, I mean, so many people in this church give their time to make everything happen. It's incredible. But at the same time, there is a huge amount of people in our church at MKCC that need to need to be activated and mobilized to become part of this cause and this army that God has got. And, you know, we've set up what we call a hope team, a small group of people who are there to be a listening ear. They're not counselors. Uh, they can't do that for you, but they will be a somewhere where you can go and speak to and confidence and they can if need be signpost you to places where you can go and now maybe some of you uh, who are not doing that at the moment you think well maybe I could do that I would love to do something like that well we would love to hear from you and so either whether you need help or whether you're interested in becoming part of the team send an email to hope at mkcc.org.uk that's hope at mkcc.org.uk UK. And uh, you will be trained and put through a whole process to ensure you've got everything you need. So unleash volunteers. The next one is R. And we really have to work at this. Remove the stigma. We've said it almost every week here at MKCC. It's okay to not be okay. I don't know what it is, but mental illness seems to we seem to have a disconnect in the church that it's sometimes somehow different or whatever. And it's, 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 it's a bad thing to have it. Or, you mean, and we don't see it. I don't know. We just don't seem to see it in the same way as other illnesses. The only way I can help you is, is how I was helped to see this a little bit myself. Um, one of my all-time heroes as a preacher is a, is a guy called Charles Haddon Spurgeon. I've spoken to you about him before. He was called the Prince of Preachers. And I read his books and, and all sorts of things. But I discovered after a period of time that Charles Spurgeon suffered from deep depression. He went through long bouts of depression, even to the extent where he had to take sabbaticals and go to France and try and recover from the whole thing. And uh, the fact that he's suffering with this helps me to understand well if Charles Spurgeon can suffer from it hey most of the rest of us are probably in a similar place sometimes here's a here's a quote that he he said and then I'm going to read a prayer that he prayed and the prayer is difficult okay but let, let me read it quite involuntary unhappiness of mind depression of spirit and sorrow of heart will come upon you you may be without any real reason for grief and yet many become amongst the most unhappy of men. I, I think that's a perfect des description of depression. And he's describing what he went through in life. Even though everything was okay, somehow something just came upon him and he was struggling with that whole thing. And he also prayed this prayer. And some, I, I find this difficult. And it's not the most um, faith-rising prayer but I think it carries some of the, 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 the truth that we find in the Psalms where we find that David feels like he might be a long way away from God and it, and it allows that heart to come through. And I don't think we should hide the, those things, the struggles that people have, because sometimes we think nobody else is having this struggle. And here, I think in this prayer, Charles Spurgeon shows God his heart and shows us his heart in the sense that he's struggling. 
He prays, Thou art my father, and I am thy child. And thou, as a father, art tender and full of mercy. I could not bear to see my child suffer as thou makest me suffer. And if I saw him tormented as I am now, I would do what I could to help him and put my arms under him to sustain him. And here's the cry of his heart. Wilt thou hide thy face from me, Father? Wilt thou still lay on me thy heavy hand and not give me a smile from thy countenance? That was the heart cry, the real heart cry of Charles Haddon Spurgeon. And God stepped up and God moved into his, his life. But I think that's one way of just helping us to realize it's okay to not be okay. It's okay sometimes to pray prayers like this to God because he knows your heart. We want to remove the, the stigma. The second C in church is collaborate with the community. We have to work more with our community. Um, you know, when somebody comes to our church, we want to be equipped to help them. So our team are looking at resources and places across Milton Keynes that can help people uh, with particular areas of mental health. We don't want to forget our community. In fact, I would think that it would be great as we go through the next few months, weeks and months, that many of us in the church will, will have more experience and grow and start to volunteer our time, not only within our church, with the people that are connected to MKCC, but we'll start to volunteer our time and be the voice of the church in other places in our community. So we've got to collaborate with our community. But the last thing, the H in church to finish off, that we must always do is we always offer hope. We always offer hope. And where is that hope? Well, it's only found in one person and his name is Jesus. Let me read to you again Romans 15, 13 that we've read over this last few weeks. May the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. As you put your trust in God, then he is going to fill you with joy and peace and hope that you have never experienced in your life. And you may not be a follower of Jesus at this moment in time. And you may be thinking, what's this all about? Is this really real? Well, we would love to go on a journey with you. And in the uh, comments in the chat section of the website you're looking at on today, there'll be a link there. And if you want to find out more information about becoming a Christian and becoming a follower of Christ and how you can put your trust in him, then click that and somebody will be in touch with you to help you through that whole process and talk to you with a little bit more. But as a Christian, you also might be struggling with issues of mental health at this time and you feel like your hope is gone and you've got no peace and you've got no joy. Then we have to come back and put our trust in the God that honours all his promises, the God that is faithful, it is always there for us. Even when we pray prayers like Charles Haddon Spurgeon, he doesn't walk away, but he's there for us and he's there to fill us in our moment of need, with joy 
with peace and with hope. Let me just pray. Father God, we would ask, Lord, that for every single person that wants to start following you, that has gone on today and just clicked that link to say that they want to start a journey and find out more about you and examine more about you, we would ask you that you would be with them today and you would strengthen them and you would take them on an incredible journey so that they can discover your incredible love and your incredible mercy. But most of all, they would understand the hope that you give them because they have now found this incredible relationship that is the only relationship that makes us feel whole because you created us to have a relationship with you. So we pray, Lord, that you would strengthen them today. And every single Christian who needs hope and peace and joy in their life today, oh God, I ask that you would speak into their lives today as they place their trust in you for whatever situation and they are honest with you in whatever situation they find themselves, that you will be there. Amen. You know, doesn't matter the circumstances you're in. It doesn't change God's plan for you. Amen.